Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And ladies and gentlemen, we are through week 10. We are on the home stretch right now. Okay, we are getting ready to make our playoff runs. Um, most leagues only have a couple of more weeks before the playoffs start. Um, and most leagues are right around your trade deadlines. I will say this. If you are a contending team, looks like you're going to have a late round for, you know, late first round draft pick in your rookie drafts. If you have somebody else's you know, first round draft pick. It looks like it's going to be late. You should probably be shopping those picks for running backs. You know, I'm sure you all know who Peter Howard is. If you don't, you should. You should get familiar with his work. He's a very smart man, a very well-respected man in the fantasy community. And he says it best. That's his, that's his you know, most common most common piece of dynasty advice that I've heard from him it's that if you're a contender, you should be buying running backs. And I 100% agree. You know, if you watch the Monday night football game, Dalvin Cook landed on the football, turned out not to be that big of a deal. But everyone who rosters Dalvin Cook in a dynasty league or fantasy league in general is probably competing close to it. And we all saw him curl up. And, you know, he was in some pain. And for a split second, our season was hanging in the balance. We had no idea what was going on with Dalvin Cook. Turns out not to be that big a deal. But basically what that means is one play. One play is all it takes. You know, we have Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, um, Derrick Henry, you know, one bad play can take us out of contention if we don't have back, you know, high upside backup plans or backup plans with a solid floor at least. So, you know, this is not the time to be stingy with your draft picks if you're competing. If you're not competing and you have elite assets, this is the time you should be selling. That does not mean sell for draft picks. If you're, you know, if you are three and seven or, you know, something along those lines and you have Derrick Henry on your team, I'm not saying you should trade Derrick Henry for some random first round pick. But if you could get a high upside running back that hasn't broken out yet, plus something, you know, maybe you can get a DeAndre Swift plus something for Derrick Henry or, you know, DeAndre Swift plus Jerry Judy, you know, something like that. You know, an obviously talented player that just hasn't broken out yet. And you can start your rebuild with, you know, breaking down a one for two. And honestly, DeAndre Swift, I'm going to get into DeAndre Swift a little bit later. Um, that's just an example, you know, 
I talked about it in my Uncommon uh, Dynasty Strategy episode, you know, tier-based trading, essentially. So take your rankings or take somebody's rankings you trust, find the tiers in the running backs, and say, okay, I'm comfortable moving, I'm comfortable moving from the top of this tier to the bottom of this tier, plus adding another piece. Or from the bottom of this tier to the top of the next tier, plus adding another piece or two. You know, just, you know, this is how... This is how we've got to rebuild. You know, when you're rebuilding, it doesn't mean just sell off your older elite players for draft picks because that's, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, you know, doing that if you don't hit on your picks. Um, Yeah, this is just a PSA. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We need to be, you know, we need to be, realistic with our teams do we have a contender if you're looking at your team and you think if you think i can win i can win with this roster look at it see what it's going to take to take it up a notch you know take it up one step and i mean if you in my opinion how i play is i go for it you know, I had in my main league, I just traded Kenyon Drake and a first round draft pick, late first round. It's going to be a late 2021 first round pick. Traded Kenyon Drake and a late first for Austin Eckler. Because I wasn't using Kenyon Drake, I wasn't going to, I wasn't planning on using Kenyon Drake. I would love to have that first round pick. I love some of the rookies coming in next year, but, you know, I need. I need some explosiveness at the running back position. My team is eight and two. I've been getting by with some talented wide receivers. I lost George Kittle in that league. I've got some talented running backs, but I'm just, you know, I haven't really had a lot of explosive weeks from that position. And so that's just, I identified that as a weakness on my team. You know, I need, you know, whenever Austin Eckler comes back, he's going to get plenty of usage. So he's going to have a somewhat decent floor and he has, especially with Justin Herbert in that offense, the way that offense is running right now, Austin Eckler has upside for days, and that's what I needed. And I think I probably overpaid for him. But, you know, I had I needed that. And I was trying to get some other stuff done. I tried to get Derrick Henry on my roster, tried to get a couple other players. I couldn't get it, I couldn't make it happen, so I kind of refinagled what I was willing to give up, and I brought in Austin Eckler. He'll be back week 12, it looks like, as of now. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting it to work out. You know, we'll see how it goes. This could easily come back and bite me in the butt, but I am optimistic about it. I'm optimistic about Austin Eckler, the player. He was, you know, he was a very popular running back in draft season. He was very productive. Before he got hurt, he gets injured, and you know, coming up on the trade deadline, I decided to go make a move for him, get some upside on my running back, you know, in my running back room, and really try to make a push for a championship. But we have to get into what this show is all about. Anybody, all of you who are repeat listeners, you know what's coming up, you know. It's what stood out in week 10. Once you're watching every move that I make, you gotta believe that I gotta 
you know the smith. And here we go. Week 10, we always start out with the Thursday night games. And unfortunately, this one is pretty depressing. Because we have one Mr. Jonathan Taylor. These are dark days. These are dark days at the Dynasty Underground. Jonathan Taylor, seven carries. Two catches on two targets for 37 total yards. Not going to get the job done. Naheem Hines gets 12 carries. Five catches on six targets for 115 total yards and the touchdown. Touchdown coming near the goal line too where we want Jonathan Taylor to be getting the ball, but it was Naheem Hines. Um, Jordan Wilkins. Look, Jordan Wilkins has flashed a little bit, but I don't really think we need to be too concerned about Wilkins. He did out-carry Jonathan Taylor. He got eight carries, but he got no catches on one target. So he actually got less touches than Jonathan Taylor, only 28 yards, so less, you know, nine less yards. But, you know, Jonathan Taylor was getting and succeeding in the short yardage role where Wilkins was failing. Wilkins got a couple of short yardage, you know, fourth and one, I think, uh, I think maybe a goal line carry and couldn't do anything with it with either one of them. And Jonathan Taylor succeeded in that role a few times. So, I mean, at this point, I think we might just be grasping at straws for Jonathan Taylor. That's at least a positive sign. But look, right now, Naheem Hines is the running back to own in this in this uh, backfield. And it stinks because it's one of those, you know, it seemed... It seemed so obvious in draft season, right? I mean, Philip Rivers going to the Colts. Like, oh, well, Naheem Hines might play the Austin Eckler role. But I don't have any Naheem Hines because I thought that Naheem Hines was a fundamentally not very good football player. And I I knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to be more involved in the passing game than his you know he was going to be perceived than he was perceived to have been and that's coming true you know Jonathan Taylor no he's not getting a whole lot of usage he only got nine touches in this game but he did get two catches you know I said on Twitter before the season started that Jonathan Taylor would catch 40 passes and even with this limited usage he's probably going to get close um you know he's getting 2.44 receptions per game which equals out to be just over 39 catches in a 16 game 16 game season so you know we had that part right here we had jonathan taylor being an underrated pass catcher correct um he just hasn't looked very good as a rusher and you know what i think that's going to change i really i mean he's too good you know and we've seen I've talked about it too many times. I'll breeze through it real quick for any new listeners, but we need to under we need to realize that a lot most of these rookie running backs have not looked very good. And oftentimes we don't see rookie running backs struggle a whole lot, especially this late into the season. By now they're kind of coming into form. 
but we've seen Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor and, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has Le'Veon Bell to contend with now. And DeAndre Swift is just now kind of getting his legs under him. These are some high, these were some highly coveted dynasty players just a few months ago. I honestly think that the shortened offseason has a lot to do with this, with their development. And I'm not giving up on Jonathan Taylor. Yes, my expectations for him are tempered, especially for this season. Especially once Marlon Mack was out, I had just, once once he Marlon Mack got hurt in week one, I believe, I just assumed that I was going to win every fantasy league I was in because I have Jonathan Taylor rostered everywhere. But that hasn't really worked out. We, I mean, honestly, had I if I didn't have him, and I would say I would I don't think I would be buying Jonathan Taylor up if I were a contender and I was really wanting to push for this year. But if I'm not really contending this year, yeah, I'll take Jonathan Taylor. I, I mean, I can't imagine Jonathan Taylor's value being any less than what it is right now, anytime moving forward. So yeah, I'll buy Jonathan Taylor right now. Sure. Um, but we need to move on from this game I want to talk about the Browns game real quick Nick Chubb and his you know his game back from injury his first game back he gets 19 carries no catches on one target for 126 yards and a touchdown so he didn't really miss a beat here Kareem Hunt also gets nine carries plus three catches on four targets for 132 total yards so this is, I mean, it's more of the same. These players were being used incredibly similarly um, before Nick Chubb's injury. Then Nick Chubb gets hurt. Kareem Hunt becomes the bell cow. Nick Chubb comes back, and they are both splitting touches pretty evenly. I know Nick Chubb's um, return does not scare me off of Kareem Hunt. I was starting Kareem Hunt confidently in my leagues this past week in week 10 and obviously three catches, 19 carries, 132 total yards. I would say that, you know, that counts as paying off. Uh, moving on now to the Washington Detroit game, Antonio Gibson. Welcome to the breakout party, bud. We got 13 carries, four catches on four targets of so 17 total touches. We will take that. 65 total yards and two touchdowns. This is the player that we were all drafting in the early second round or, you know, that, I think that's where he ended up. I don't think I was taking him there. Like I said, because I was taking some of those wide receivers. I kind of wish I would have landed some more Antonio Gibson, but man, this is what we wanted. This is the athleticism. This is the raw ability you know, only gets 60, 65 total yards. I get it. Not super efficient, but, you know, he's just getting his feet wet. I, you know, Washington looks like they're going to be in prime position to take another swing at quarterback in this upcoming draft. Antonio Gibson, I think, could be a really nice dynasty asset moving forward. Probably going to be 
one of my favorite running back targets. Um, depending on his ADP, if he's going, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh, I wasn't say seventh. If he's going in the fifth or sixth round next year, I'm probably going to have a lot of Antonio Gibson. You know, if he's going in the Kareem Hunt range, you know, where Kareem Hunt was going this past year, I'm probably going to have a lot of Antonio Gibson next season. But J.D. McKissick, same team, was no slouch in this game either. He only gets eight carries, but he gets seven catches on 15 targets. 15 targets to J.D. McKissick. Only gets 49 total yards, but he gets a rushing touchdown as well. If you're in a PPR league, J.D. McKissick looks like he's going to be a pretty safe floor player, pretty high floor player moving forward. Um, you know, he's one of those players, if you're looking for, you know, a value, you know, if you're contending, you want you, you want to bring in a safe running back for a decent value, you could probably get J.D. McKissick, especially if McKissick is on a you know, a team out of title contention, you should be able to get J.D. McKissick for, I mean, if you're really going to push for the title, I'm assuming you're late. I would give a late second for him. If I really needed him, if I really wanted to go for the title, I think that's probably too much. But if that's what I felt like I needed, someone who's going to catch a bunch of passes, hopefully get a touchdown, and he's going to be a starter in, in if he's going to be a starter on my roster week in and week out, yeah, I will. I would give that for him. I don't love the player, but I do love the usage. I do love, you know, that he does have that pass catching skill set. And yeah, maybe that's an overpay. That probably is an overpay, but you know, we want to win championships, and sometimes we got to kind of push our chips in. And I wouldn't be too afraid to you know to really give up that. But here is what is where I'm going to get excited for this game. It's on the other side of the ball. Same position, but you know I'm talking about a DeAndre Swift. This was it. This was the true DeAndre Swift breakout week. Not a few weeks ago. Not a few weeks ago whenever I put on Twitter that, you know, his... You know, he had a two-touchdown game, and then the next week, you know, we got the Roto World blurb that said uh, DeAndre Swift will see, quote-unquote, expanded role in week, whatever week that was. And I put on Twitter, this feels like a trap. And sure enough, it was. But, you know, we got the notification this week that said he would get his first start, and he goes out, and he gets 16 carries, five catches on five targets for 104. 49 total yards and a touchdown but here is the beauty 73 percent snap percentage on his first official quote-unquote start of his career you know no other running back was really involved in this one and you know this is why it felt like the true breakout to me because what did i say on the last episode we you know, we would have some weeks where Swift's snap share would be way up, but his touches for some reason would be down. And then, but he still might have a decent fantasy game. Then we would have weeks where his snap share was down, but his touches were up and he still might have a decent fantasy game. It was just like, 
you know, I, I explained, you know, I compared him to a Rubik's cube that just needed one more turn. You know, it was almost there. You just needed one more, one more click and bam, the Rubik's cube is solved. You've done it. You get to put it on your shelf, show it off to your friends. I really do think that's what happened in Detroit this past week. I think they finally, you know, turned that Rubik's cube. They got all sides matching and I'm starting DeAndre Swift with confidence everywhere that I have him in week 11. I'm I'm not only not worried about it, I'm excited about it. Because, you know, this could be, you know, I've said it before on these airwaves. I mean, I thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be this year's Miles Sanders. You know, I talked about it with the Marlon Mack injury in week one, but... You know, I've, I mentioned it with DeAndre Swift because he actually hasn't had very many bad games. You know, he's the RB 14 and half PPR leagues right now. He's had a couple of big weeks, but he's only had like two, I think, just really bad, poor, like unusable weeks. He's been sneaky this whole season, and now I think we've got the true breakout. I think we're going to see his usage stay up. You know, in the 73% snap share range, at least I think he'll have a vast majority of the snaps and the touches, running back touches here in Detroit. He's a talented player. I'm excited for DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift could end up being one of the signature league winning running backs of 2020 if he hits his potential. You know, switch over now. I know, my goodness, I know I said I was not going to report on this anymore. I said I was done. I also said I was not going to start DJ Moore until further notice. I said he was in timeout. Well, guess what? In my main league, two of my starting wide receivers were on bye. I had to start DJ Moore. <laughs> and it worked out. He gets seven targets, only four catches, but he gets 96 yards and a touchdown. Robbie Anderson only gets six targets, four catches as well, only 21 yards. And Curtis Samuel, three carries, only four targets, three catches for 12 total yards. So DJ Moore was the guy. He was the guy in this game. I mean, he only got one more target than Robbie Anderson. Neither one of them had very many, seven and six respectively, like I said. But, I mean, they you know, he only got four yards or four receptions. But DJ Moore looked like the better receiver he looked like the more dynamic receiver in this game and that's because he is he's a great football player he may not be a great quote-unquote you know pure true wide receiver one but he's a really good football player and it makes sense honestly that you know if you give him and Robbie Anderson similar work and you know similar receptions and similar targets DJ Moore would look more explosive and more elusive and more electric because he is. Robbie Anderson's great at what he does. Robbie Anderson's a good player. So is Curtis Samuel. But DJ Moore is the most talented player on this roster. I haven't said it in a while, and I think I've kind of gotten away from it, you know, with the craziness of the season. But talent does generally rise to the top. Cream generally rises to the top. Talent usually wins out. DJ Moore being the most talented, most complete wide receiver on this roster. Look, he's still on timeout. 
<laughs> you know, I'm getting all, all of my other wide receivers back from bye week. In week 11, DJ Moore is going right back on the bench because I'm not the type of player that lets, you know, one big game, you know, I guess he, I should I can't I guess I can't say one big game because he's had a few, but I'm not gonna let one game where he really only out targeted Robbie Anderson by one. I'm not gonna let that game redefine what I what I have been witnessing of DJ Moore. I gotta see more. And I've got three other competent wide receivers that I can slide into that position, and that's what I'm gonna do. That's what I feel more comfortable with. Um, moving on, moving on now to really, you know, I want to talk about Cole Beasley for a second and it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very sexy. I want to talk about Cole Beasley. I've never mentioned Cole Beasley's name on this podcast before, but he's one of those players, you know, if you need a wide receiver, you could probably get him for fairly cheap. If you're contending, you really want a wide receiver with a floor. Cole Beasley got 13 targets in this game, 11 catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. This dude is the wide receiver, 21 and half PPR leagues, people. I did not know that. I didn't know that. Literally, I was like, dude, he had a big game. I think he's had a couple of nice games lately. I'm going to go check his rankings. And I wide receiver, 21. And you know what? You might say, oh, well, Josh Allen threw the ball 49 times. Yeah, that's what he's been doing. The running backs are not getting carries. Like, they are calling 40 to 50 pass plays. The Buffalo Bills are calling 40 to 50 pass plays per game, like, on a weekly basis. Uh, Cole Beasley is going to have his games. He's one of those players. Like I said, if I need a solid wide receiver three, especially if I'm in a PPR league, I'm paying, I'm paying, I mean, I don't know that I could give up a late second for Cole Beasley. I might, I might, if I really need one, I feel like he could really, you know, stabilize that position. If I'm going to the, you know, if I'm going to the playoffs, if I'm a lock for the playoffs, I could see myself doing it. It's probably an overpay. Yes. I know I preach all the time that I don't overpay for players, but you know, at some point we've got to push our chips in if we want to win a championship. And, you know, unless you have Dalvin Cook or one of these players, you know, there's always a few players every year that are just having career seasons. They're having magical seasons. We, you know, Dalvin Cook's having one right now. Derrick Henry had one last year. You know, Aaron, you know, Christian McCaffrey had one last year. Todd Gurley had a couple, you know, we see it. And sometimes, you know, we don't always have those players, but that doesn't mean we can't win. We just kind of have to be aggressive, in my opinion, and I'm not afraid to be aggressive. Um, I mean, also in this game, just real quick, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, like I said, the Bills are not calling very many run plays, and these guys are splitting low running back usage basically right down the middle. This is why I was fading Devin Singletary in draft season all year. Um, I think he's a fine player, but nothing that I'm really too excited about. Um, I'm much more excited about this next thing I want to talk about. Sal, I'm just going to go ahead and say his name as Salvan Ahmed. 
I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. He gets 21 carries in this game, plus a catch on his only target for 90 total yards and a touchdown. And the reason I'm bringing this dude up is because Miami cut Jordan Howard on Monday. Gone. Boom. Done. He's gone from the team. Miles Gaskin's still on IR. Salwan, Salwan Ahmed was, you know, like I mentioned with Michael Hasty a week ago, Salvan Ahmed was one of those players that a lot of people liked, you know, as a as a draft day sleeper, you know, as a rookie draft value, a talented player that, you know, they were keeping their eye on. Well, he gets 21 carries and he does not disappoint. 90 total yards and a touchdown. He could be in line for a lot of work for the next few weeks, as well as this next guy, Wayne Gallman. Now, he has a bye week in week 11, but... Devontae Freeman is on IR. He's at least going to miss one more game. And Gallman really appears to have suppressed the Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris experiments. You know, he dwarfed these two in usage. But like I said, you know, I hope you already have him on your team, especially if you need, you know, if you're if you're patching together your running back position, I think you're going to get at least one more game out of Gallman, hopefully a couple, but... Um, they do have the bye week next week. So something to keep an eye on. Let's move on now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because we all saw the Ronald Jones 98 yard touchdown. He did it. He had a big time fantasy game, 23 carries, one catch on two targets for 198 total yards and the touchdown and another fumble. He fumbles again. But Leonard Fournette only gets eight carries, two catches on three targets for 30 total yards. Look, it didn't really seem like Ronald Jones got the full Ronald Jones treatment from the fumble, but this is two lost fumbles in just a few weeks. And I'm going to talk about, I'm going to kind of talk, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but I don't know. I don't know what to do with this backfield, honestly. I think that's been kind of the conundrum the whole time is these are both talented players. They're both fine players, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, but we just don't know who is going to, if one of them is going to be the workhorse one week, if they're going to split touches one week, and if one of them is going to be the workhorse, we have no way of knowing which one it is. We do know that Fournette is probably going to be more involved in the passing game, and especially if I'm in any kind of PPR. I know Ronald Jones just had this big-time game, but I kind of lean towards Leonard Fournette still as of this moment just for his pass-catching ability. Um, want to run down this really quick. You know, I didn't really talk about the Bucks last week because that game was just so nuts. I didn't really didn't think there was anything educational about it. But here we go in Week 10. Mike Evans, 11 targets. Chris Godwin, 6 targets. And Antonio Brown also gets 8 targets and a carry. He out-targets and he gets a carry. You know, He out-targets Chris Godwin and he gets a carry. This guy's going to be used. I think this is, might be a situation where there might be some weeks where all three of them are usable. Some weeks only one of them are usable, but we don't know which one it is. All I know is going into the year, I had Tom Brady 
as my quarterback five for 2020, not for Dynasty, but for 2020. I had Tom Brady as my quarterback five. And I think he's probably going to hit that. You know, that was one of my bolder calls. And obviously Antonio Brown wasn't on the roster then, but I think he's going to hit that. And, you know, I've I've started him. I, did, I started Lamar Jackson over him in week 10. I shouldn't have. <laughs> in my main league where I have them both. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson is not the same player he was in 2019. He was never going to be that, right? You know, I've talked about that pretty extensively in the offseason. So going forward, I mean, I'm not just going to set and forget my quarterback position. I'm going to go back and forth between Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. And I... I'm kind of just going to play the matchup that I like better. Honestly, I mean, does Lamar Jackson have a safer floor? Probably because of what he can do with his legs. But, you know, he looked good in New England. You know, he didn't put up insane numbers. But if you watched that game, the, the conditions of that game, they were playing football in a freaking monsoon, dude. Like the rain was coming down sideways and it was swirling and whipping around the stadium with the wind I mean I think he still completed 24 of 36 passes that's not bad in those conditions especially with the ball you know there was a lot of players there were a lot of players struggling to hold on to the ball um but yeah basically that's a long way of me saying that Tom Brady is Probably going to be a pretty awesome fantasy quarterback to finish the way. Moving on to the next game, I want to talk about Brandon Ayuk because you know what? I'm going to give Brandon Ayuk one of these. My man. Because Brandon Ayuk has also been one of my guys throughout this whole deal, throughout this whole rookie draft process. I had Brandon Ayuk as a first round rookie pick. You know, I was I was higher on Brandon Ayuk than anybody that I can think of off the top of my head in fantasy. So, you know, I think, I think I've earned the right to give them my man Sandra for Brandon Ayuk here. And honestly, he should be in starting. He should be in starter consideration in most leagues, as long as these other pass catchers in San Francisco are missing time. Brandon Ayuk received 14 targets in this game. Plus a carry didn't really work out. He got, you know, eight-yard loss on that carry, but 14 targets, 14 targets for a talented player. This is like from Nick Mullins, too. Brandon Ayuk had a big game. He scores a touchdown here. Brandon Ayuk had a pretty big game from Nick Mullins throwing in the ball. This is a great player. I mean, okay, I shouldn't say great player, but I mean, as far as rookies go, this is a promising young dude, and I'm so excited for Brandon Ayuk. Um, Jordan Reed in this game, he gets five catches on six targets for 62 yards. That's kind of what I've been hoping for. You know, I've talked about it with him. I don't need him to be George Kittle. I know he's not going to be George Kittle. If I have Jordan Reed, I want him to be somewhere in between George Kittle and in between the Evan Ingram tier. You know, just a usable, solid tight end, going to catch a few passes, maybe score a touchdown for you here and there. Want to move on now to Kenyon Drake. He comes back from his injury, from his short little absence. 
He gets 16 carries plus one catch on one reception for 109 total yards. So he looked pretty efficient in this game. He didn't look bad. He didn't look electric, but, you know, he, he looked okay. Um, he does fumble. You know, Chase Edmonds only gets eight carries, three catches on three targets for 77 total yards. But Kenyon Drake does fumble in this game. And this is what I wanted to talk about. This is why I didn't want to talk about Ronald Jones' fumble and Bruce Arians quite at the moment because I think it's pretty safe to say that Cliff Kingsbury is one of the more modern coaches in the NFL. Bruce Arians, maybe not so much. Maybe, I mean, I, I can, you could definitely say he is, but he's not on Cliff Kingsbury's level. And, you know, I think Bruce Arians has a little bit, little bit of that old school, you put the ball on the ground, you're riding the bench. Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, Kenyon Drake fumbled the ball, and I think literally on the next drive was out there and took the first snap and first carry of the next drive. I'm pretty sure. If it wasn't the first one, it was definitely on the next drive he was out there getting carries. So Cliff Kingsbury put his trust in him. He held on to the ball the rest of the game, ended up having a good game, and the Cardinals ended up winning on a ridiculous catch on a Hail Mary by DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it was a good play by Kyler Murray to escape pressure, run towards the sideline, and just bomb one to the end zone. But DeAndre Hopkins had no business coming down with that ball. There's a reason that I have called DeAndre Hopkins the best wide receiver in the league throughout the entire duration of this show. Because I truly believe that he is. And kind of think he is separating himself. I don't think anybody is closing in on DeAndre Hopkins. I think DeAndre Hopkins is separating himself and it's even more so now than it was at the beginning of the year. Um, One more game I want to touch on briefly. You know, like I said, if you're a new listener, I don't run through every single game and just talk about stuff. I, I only pick out the stuff that I think is interesting and possibly predictive slash educational. So I'm only going to talk about one more game. It is the Rams backfield because even though Malcolm Brown scored twice in this game, Cam Akers outtouched him, and Cam Akers has actually outtouched uh, Malcolm Brown the last two weeks combined. Got ten carries, ten carries this week, and nine carries the week before. Cam Akers might be coming. You know, he might be a sneaky player to um, to target and trade. You know, Darrell Henderson only gets seven carries, one you know, one catch on one target, thirty-two percent snap share. Cam Akers actually led the team in touches in snap share. Oh no, not snap share, but I mean, led the team, led the running back position in touches. With 10 carries. He could be a sneak. You know, he didn't score a touchdown. He didn't put up gaudy yardage totals. He could be a sneaky player to go after in a trade, especially if you're rebuilding. If you're if I'm rebuilding, I'm targeting Cam Akers. I'm targeting J.K. Dobbins. I'm targeting Jerry Judy. This is what's gonna suck. Because you know, I preach all the time that I don't have guys who are quote-unquote my guys. But in all reality, I do. Because 
You know, I gave Brandon Ayuk the My Man Sounder. I couldn't make myself trade Lamar Jackson this past offseason in my main dynasty league because Lamar Jackson is my favorite player. I knew the right process was to trade him. I knew it was, but I couldn't make myself do it. I couldn't make myself pull the trigger. I should have done it. This next offseason, I know I should be offering everywhere I have Brandon Ayuk, which, spoiler alert, is everywhere. I should be offering Brandon Ayuk for Jerry Judy plus something. I know I should be doing it. That's my advice I would be giving is to do that. But I don't know that I can. You know, I love Brandon Ayuk too much. I love Brandon Ayuk too much. I just don't know. I think I, I do have a kryptonite. I, I definitely do have a kryptonite. It's, you know, I fall in love with these some of these players, especially especially whenever I'm higher than consensus on them and they end up working out. You know, don't look now. I'm going to pull this up. Because Brandon Ayuk is having a sneaky good season. I don't even know that it's that sneaky, honestly. Brandon Ayuk in half PPR leagues, in total points. This isn't points per game. This is total points. You know, Brandon Ayuk has missed three games, I believe. Let me let me look this up. So he missed the first game. Uh, okay, he's he's missed two games. Brandon Ayuk's missed two games. He is the wide receiver twenty-seven. The wide receiver 27 for Brandon Ayuk. And he's missed two games. You know, he's the wide receiver 22 in points per game. In points per game, Brandon Ayuk is a wide receiver too. He's a top 24 wide receiver. And nobody is talking about him as such. He's right behind Justin Jefferson. Everybody is so enamored with Justin Jefferson. But... Brandon Ayuk, they were both first-round picks. They are both right there. I mean, they're, they're giving you essentially, over the course of the full season, they're giving you essentially the same points per week. And you could get, if you wanted to trade Justin Jefferson for Brandon Ayuk, you could get a haul in that deal. You could get another super valuable asset. I'm not saying you have to do it because I love Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was my wide receiver two in this class. He still is my wide receiver two in this rookie class. But, you know, Jefferson has, I feel like, has this reputation like he is having a historic rookie season for fantasy. But Brandon Ayuk is right there. I mean, I just had the numbers in front of me. He is right there in points per game. He's just missed a couple games. He's got a bye week next week, which really stinks. But... He's somebody that if you don't have on your roster, you should be buying, no doubt. But that is going to do it for this episode. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Womack. And as always, thanks for listening. Go, go, go.